0: All right. We are here with another episode of Wake Up Call, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Previtt, and joining me today is Susan smith Blakely, author of the now infamous, if I can call it that, ABA Journal article, Are Women Lawyers Paying Enough Attention to Upward Mobility?, which was published on June 29th, 2021. Thank you for joining me, Susan. I think this is going to be a really important conversation that we need to have.
1: Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Christina. And um, I know you've got a lot of questions for me.
0: Thank you. I, I have to ask you first and foremost, what was your reaction to the backlash that you got to this article?
1: Well, I was surprised because I've been doing this for 15 years, Christina. And I've written a lot of articles, probably in excess of 30, 40 of them I don't even know. Um, I've given uh, almost a hundred speeches about this at law firms, law organizations, law schools around the country. And you know there's always some lively debate that takes place in those uh, settings. and my favorite part of, of any uh, lecture I give or whatever is the Q and A, because I love that, you know, I'm, I'm open to contrary opinions, but this was, um, this was rather harsh. This was like nothing I had ever experienced in the work that I do.
0: Well, um, let's so talk yeah. about what was your intention when you initially wrote this article? And did you actually write the article recently or was this something you, you had in the background for a while?
1: Well, no, I wrote the article recently and this article is motivated by the same thing that motivates me always. And that is my concern for women lawyers and, 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 uh, and having them advance in the profession. Um, for a very good reason, because if if they don't advance in the profession and get to the top and be recognized leaders and have voices um, from that high perch, they aren't going to be able to change the policies and the programs. What is referred to has been referred to a lot as the systemic failures in the profession um, if they don't have that strong voice. So that's where I'm always coming from. Now, that I recognize also that all women are not going to be able at certain times in their lives to, to really embrace upward mobility. So I, I try to keep a balanced view of that. But this particular topic um, came out, uh, was, occurred to me within the context of the pandemic and all that the women lawyers had been through working from home, especially the women lawyers with children. Um, it's been a time full of distractions and um, uh, they're all going back to offices in one way or another in, uh, you know, in one percentage of time or another another soon. And I wanted them to stay on course for the careers that they want. And, um, you know, upward mobility is very, very important to me because of the what I just said about changing policies and programs. And um, and so I, you know, when I think about that, I think about what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said when she was asked how many women should be on the United States Supreme Court in order to protect the, the causes for women. And you know what she said. She said, yeah. we'll be fine when there are none. And so that's kind of the way I think of it is the more that we can get... Up in those positions of leadership, um, the better. And um, so, this, this was an article that um, I wrote recently. And um, like all of the columns that I do for the ABA Journal, I submitted it, and um, uh, and it was published. And so, uh, and I also, you know, want to highlight that I strategy is incredibly important to me in addressing careers. And so if I, you know, I understand the importance of strategy and what it's meant in the careers of women that have succeeded extremely well. And so that's, that's also what I wanted to address in this article.
0: Well, can you understand at all why anybody was offended any aspect of the article looking back now obviously you have the benefit of hindsight um perhaps you had good intentions when you wrote the article but now that you've had all of this feedback that's what we'll call it um and you've had maybe had some time to reflect can you see anywhere where people might have been offended
1: well you know i think that um I think that there is a sensitivity among a lot of young women lawyers um, that they don't wanna be told what to do. Now, I've written an entire book on the millennials and what they want. It's called What Millennial Lawyers Want. And then it has a tagline. And so um, I understand those sensitivities. I don't, and, and I understand they don't want to be singled out in any way. And they, uh, they have, certainly the social media traffic has indicated that they don't want to be treated any differently than men. Um, and I would say, I understand that, but they have also have to recognize it within the context that they are different from men because they have the children, and that creates some additional challenges for them. But I think that there has been that sea change among some young lawyers today, and it's reflected in the social media traffic. I think that it also is somewhat derivative of, the, uh, of society today where everybody wants to matter. And people in cohorts do not want to feel like they're like they're overlooked, and and it's all part of the diversity and inclusion movement. And I applaud that. I understand that. So if you're saying, do I understand uh, some of how their emotions in reacting, or some of the uh, the the purposes of what they were trying to say, um, and and I am aware of these sensitivities. Um, Young women lawyers tell me a lot. Um, I travel around the country doing all of these programs. And um, I will have to tell you that these kinds of sensitivities were have never appeared to me to be a theme in the past. And um, so like any research and information, I'm glad that I know it now. Because um, it's, these are very strong emotions that are being expressed by, by these women. They're not all young women, I, I can tell.
0: Well, let's define young, because I think that's relative. Yeah. Like, it's, Can I ask you your age?
1: Sure. I'm 74 years old.
0: Okay. And when did you retire? So, so how long have you been retired?
1: I retired in 2006 because I wanted to do this project. And I had practiced for a long time in private practice and in public service, and, um, and I had, I'd seen a lot of what I wanted to talk about. And um, I, when I thought about writing this and starting this Best Friends at the Bar project, I researched no fewer than 3,000 books online, in public libraries, and in bookstores. And I, I discovered that there was nothing that dignified the positions of women lawyers, nothing that was helpful. The day that I found the book that analogized the kind of practice a woman lawyer would want to have to the kind of shoe she would like to wear, whether she wanted a boat shoe practice, or a ballet flat practice or a stiletto practice. I decided right then and there I was writing this, my first book. My husband came home from the office that day. He came into my office. He said, Oh, I, I, I recognize that look on your face. I said, Look at what I just found. It is so insulting. It does not begin to dignify the challenges that women have. So that's what I, that's the project I started. And, you know, it's four books now and it's lots of of other stuff. Um, So does that answer your question? Well let me ask you this
0: you know I've read a lot of the commentary and and spoken to some of my own colleagues and something that does come up repeatedly is that you have been out of the um, the workforce, I guess we can say uh, the legal industry for fifteen years, and that the article seemed outdated it seemed like it was irrelevant at this point. So what would you say to that? What would you say to the people who read the article and thought this might be something that took place like 20 years ago, but this does not accurately represent what the legal profession is today for women? Well, how would you respond to that?
1: Okay. Okay. Um, Yes. And I certainly have read (laughs) those comments. Um, First of all, I don't think it's outdated at all. I think, I, I do research about four hours a day. I know what's going on in the profession. I speak to a lot of people that are still practicing. I think I understand that the obstacles are still there. If the obstacles were not there, the ABA would not be sponsoring mentoring programs all of the time to help women get around what I identified in the articles as, as pitfalls. So I, 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 I know what happens in a promotions committee. I know what kind of leadership they're looking for. I know what kind of, of, uh, of you know, team participation that they're looking for. And I want all these women to do very well during those discussions. Now, did I, were there things in the article that, um, that I would uh, state a little differently today? Yes, there are, because I I really didn't know that, and and these young women have educated me in their own way, that they don't consider there to be any primary parent anymore. That it's all about co-parenting. And so my comment about the mother being the person that children gravitate to for, you know, care or whatever, um, really offended them really offended them. Um, and I think that, that, that may be true for a lot of women, the co-parenting. And I, I certainly applaud that. I wish it'd been the case for me, but it wasn't. Um, uh, but I also know that I don't think that's happening with everybody. And so I think the jury's out on that. And I think we're just going to have to see. Well,
0: going to something that you just said that when, when you noted that perhaps, uh, you could have been a little more insightful about the co-parenting issue Um, because you're, you know, you're a seasoned professional and your kids are grown. So perhaps um, it could have been stated a little differently as far as what lawyer moms today who are raising their children Now their kids aren't, um, you know, out of school, perhaps that could have been stated differently. But I think some of the criticism has been that you really wrote about your experience, which was a while ago. And this isn't current today. I think that's what I'm hearing is a lot of the criticism is that
1: not my experience. My experience was very different than women's experiences and opportunities today.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. And I, I think some of the perception is that the article that you wrote seems to be more representative of perhaps what your experience was when you were a younger attorney, a younger mom, and not representative of what women are experiencing today in the legal profession.
1: Oh, because I didn't work full time, which was most what most of these women did. I I had to work part-time. My partnership was taken away from me when I announced that I was pregnant with my first baby, because I needed to work part-time afterwards. My husband was a partner in the largest law firm in the world at the time, and either in trial or traveling all the time. Nannies, uh, adequate nanny, nannies were almost impossible to find, and, um, and I didn't have any family in the area. So I'm, I wasn't facing these same challenges. So I'm not basing this on my experience. I would have loved to have been in the, exper- in the situation of many of these young women to have the opportunities that they have today. I just want them to protect their opportunities. Let me ask you
0: about how you approached that, what your suggested resolution or strategy, um, that's the word that you've used, was for this. And I'm going to start out with this question. Could the article just as easily have been titled, Is Big Law Paying Enough Attention to Lawyer Moms? But instead, it was presented as though, what should all these women be doing? What should we be doing to accommodate the system? And and this is a comment that I'm sure you saw a lot throughout the the feedback that you received is why are we always talking about what the women need to do to try to be more like men? That's how we get along in the the legal profession is to try to be more like men. Because I think that's how it was interpreted and sort of interpreted a lot of that as well as what should we be doing as women to try to be more like men and make it more of a priority to throw ourselves into work and put our parenting responsibilities on the sideline. It seems to me that that was the
1: focus. Do you disagree? The focus of this article was the pitfalls are out there. If you're not going to pay any attention to them, they could bring you down. And in terms of the title of the article, um, first of all, the title of the article was not this is what you should do. The title of the article was a question. Basically, are you doing it? And, you know, every single time I write anything, it is with the expectation that women will find their place in what I write. If what I write does not apply to them and they don't need any... Further information about that, then they can just chuck it. That's 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 fine. But there are women out there that need to, you know, are going to look at it and go, well, maybe I need to think about that a little bit because I don't want to fall into those pits. I don't want to have those obstacles. But in terms of what I wrote about, um, if you want me to write about flexible uh, about systemic failures. I've written a ton about systemic failures of the law profession. I have laid the blame right where it belongs. In fact, there's an article I wrote for the for the ABA Journal that is titled, What is Holding Women Lawyers Back? And it details all of those systemic failures. It, it 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 lays that blame right on the profession and what are they doing about it? But you know, you have sometimes you have to work within an organization in order to get to a decision-making level. And then you can try to change things and, and get rid of those systemic failures. Now, the other thing that women can do is they can leave the org- that organization and they can go out and they can set up their own firms and 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 and, uh, and not have to put up with that nonsense and I understand that and I applaud that. And I have written a lot about transitioning into solo practice. But, you know, I've when I'm writing an article for the ABA and a, a column for the ABA journal, I am limited to between 1000 and 1200 words. So if I'm going to adequately address an issue, I, you know, I got to stay on that issue because I've written about the systemic failures before. And I guess I'm always hoping that maybe somebody is familiar with what I write and who I am and how I've been advocating for for years um, and, and would know that about me. But that did not seem to be the situation.
0: Well, I do want to highlight that if anybody had read this article, and I think a lot of people did, they read this article, they didn't know who you were. They hadn't read anything else by you. And their immediate reaction was, you know, what is this? I, I'm going to say I, a word I saw a lot was drivel. What is this drivel? Right. But they didn't really know anything about you and to judge you strictly from this one article, I do think would be unfair because I did go back and look at some of your other articles and they squared with what you're saying now is that you've been a supporter of women. Um, you have criticized the system, you you have criticized um what we felt you should have criticized in the first place here was the system and not how how women should have to change themselves to fit themselves into the system, but where the system fails us and where the system is outdated and it's just not working anymore. Um, so I would invite people to, to go back and look at some of your other articles because I think um, this one, and that's really another question I wanted to ask you is this one seems to be such an outlier. It just does seem to me like it really missed the mark. Do you know why?
1: Well, it it missed the mark if you don't put it in context. Because th- these things that I talk about, are, I don't make this stuff up. I talk to a lot of lawyers. I talk to Old lawyers and middle-aged lawyers and young lawyers, and I try to figure out, okay, here's what they're all saying. How, what is the strategy for elevating women lawyers so that their voices can be heard in a much more effective way? And so, you know, it when I, I got the feeling that they just weren't not, uh, they weren't opening their minds to what I was saying to them. Um, it, you know, to get upset because I said that if you, that a, a, a woman lawyer with children can be exhausted is just to me, I, I don't understand that because I think it's kind of axiomatic and recognized that. These kinds of de- combined responsibilities can make us exhausted. And I also, and, and I hear it from a lot of young women. These are not my experiences here. I hear this a lot from young women. And um, what I said about perfection, I mean, that's, that has been written about so much. We expect way too much of ourselves. We expect perfection at home we expect perfection at the office and i think those things are pretty well established so when when the readers got upset about those things i just got the feeling that they they weren't listening and that they were they were very angry and and that anyone would would suggest that they needed to have a strategy that, um, they, and, and they needed someone to blame. And so, you know, the, very often what happens there is you, you kill the messenger. Well,
0: think- well, why don't we talk about some of the passages in the article? Sure. So you wrote, more and more law firms are taking the team approach and all members of the team have to be able to count on each other team members have to know that help is around the corner and that emails will be returned with valuable information and in time to put out the wildfires. And those requirements are equally true for women lawyers, whether they have children or not. It seems to me almost like you're chastising women because they're not doing this. I'm a 46-year-old woman. I have always been available to answer emails and phone calls and do legal work after business hours, on weekends, on holidays. And the colleagues that I have, they're all doing that too. They're juggling a lot. So to read this, where you're basically telling us to do something that we're all already doing, but that's the part where it strikes me as outdated. And irrelevant.
1: Well, that's where I said before, you got to find your place in the article. I mean, I'm really glad that you are doing that. And uh, I can tell from, uh, from your reputation that you are doing that. I would be happy if every single woman lawyer was doing that and, to protect all of her opportunities. Um, but as I said to you, I talk to a lot of people. and I find that some of the young people that are being supposedly being mentored um, are not having that experience. And so I want to point it out as a possibility that maybe needs to just be examined a little bit.
0: I was saying that as it managers, Managing partners? I'm just curious who's saying that? that that women are just not responding to emails and being team players. Who's saying that?
1: No, you hear it from some managers, you hear it from some of the people that are the mentees that are, are, are wanting more. And 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 I don't know how widespread it is, Christina, but If I'm hearing it, then I'm thinking it needs to be discussed. And if the reader says, this is not me, then the reader can toss it aside. But the reader uh, has to understand that everybody may not be practicing law in the same way as everybody else. Could this just
0: as easily have just been advice to a young attorney, a millennial? Could it have been advice just to any woman or man, for that matter, who um, you know wants to be considered partner partner material? Why was this in particular directed at an article that was written about lawyer moms? Have these people that you've spoken to have made these complaints? They were talking specifically about lawyer moms.
1: Yes, they were. And that's why I thought it needed to be discussed. I think the same thing could be said to young male lawyers, and it appears throughout my book on what millennial lawyers want. And so I'm the only reason that, that I'm and I've been accused of singling out the women is because my program, for the most part, is for women lawyers. The ABA Journal asked me to be a columnist for them because I was a voice for women lawyers. And so that's what I do.
0: And I do want to get back to something we had spoken about before we started recording, and that's how this ABA article even came about. Um, but I want to uh, finish talking about the passages. So, another one. You said motherhood is demanding too often. Lawyer moms are so stretched and overscheduled that they cannot easily find time in their days to assist others. They focus on their own workloads and maximize their time between arrival at the office, logging in and leaving the office, logging out. Many of them do not take lunch breaks or have many conversations with colleagues. And, And I'm highlighting this part. They lose interest in promoting new work for the law firm developing clients, and attending firm social events. That seems also to be painted with a very broad brush.
1: Yes, it may, not be, it may not be true for you know 80% of the readers, Christina, but for the 20% out there that need to think about that, then it should be a valuable thing. And I don't make this stuff up. This, These are the kinds of things that I hear, and so I want to address it. And it's certainly, uh, you know, th- this is, again, I repeat, this is not my own experience. So I'm basing this on what I hear today and what I think would be valuable. Now, clearly, there are a lot of readers that didn't think it was valuable, but let us not forget that that, are, that column got 7,000 likes by readers, and those likes are recorded on the ABA uh, well, on the website. to be fair,
0: I have to point this out. I don't think there's a way to dislike it.
1: Well, I guess you're right. There's not a tab that says dislike. Well, that's, that's I think, a, a damage control by the APA Journal. But on the other hand, maybe you would have had fewer comments if there was a dislike button, Susan. There would have been. But if you look at the letter that was at the article that was penned by the ABA president, you will see that 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 did not get nearly as many likes. So there are people out there.
0: This article has struck a nerve because it's gotten a lot of feedback. I mean, if you do look at the other articles, you know, maybe they get 12 likes and there's no feedback at all. Clearly you struck a nerve here. Obviously this, something has gone amiss here with this article.
1: It has gone amiss. And I agree with you. And I have always welcomed open dialogue, but, uh, and I will tell you that, um, the reference in my blog to uh, to Mean Girls is there intentionally, just because I have been saying throughout the project that I have done for women lawyers for all these years, you have got to own your behavior, you have got to own your words, and you have got to own your career. And I don't. I think if those same young women looked back at the comments on Twitter and some of them on LinkedIn. Um, They, I don't know how they would characterize what they read there as anything but mean. And I also was drawing on an article that came out in the Washington Post recently. And the title of it was, When Mean Girls Become, When the Mean Girl Becomes a Woman. And that's behavior that I don't think is professional. And I think that it is, uh, it is something that, uh, that they have to think about. They're asking me to think about how I stated things and what I said, and that being exhaust- exhausted wasn't a good to- thing to say, and all these other things. Well, I think they have to also be aware that there's civil discourse has not been a high priority here.
0: I have to say in the defense of the people that did express their opinions, you can express your opinion and disagree. That doesn't make you a mean girl. So can you clarify who you're talking about when you're referring to mean girls?
1: Well, I don't think that it is... Uh, I think when you start attacking someone's age, when you start um, uh, publishing where they live, when you describe their lifestyles in derisive ways, when you tell someone to take your pearls and go back to your mansion and shut up, um, all you need to do is go back into the stream and take a look at what's being said. Those things are character assassinations. Those things are have no place, I think, in civil discourse. Now, I'm a big girl, you know. I'm not going to walk around being offended by all of that. But do I think it's right? No, I don't. If uh, my children acted that way and 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 uh, included words like that, I I would call them out on it because I don't think that it's appropriate. Um, But in terms of them having their opinions, I mean, I think I said a few minutes ago, I understand more about them now than I did before, because that whole sensitivity, uh, level of sensitivity and anger had not appeared in, uh, in, a lot of my research. And, and so I own that I probably could have explained things a little differently. And I mean, if the primary caretaker has gone out with the, you know, uh, is now the, 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 um, the rule or, or, uh, what is happening, that's fine. Cause the, You know, the master bedroom went out the window and is now the primary bedroom. And so, you know, I I understand that there are some things that I can learn from this process as well. Well, I
0: mean, certainly I think there's a lot to learn from you having had your own career in the legal profession. I don't think that anybody would debate that. I mean, certainly we all idolize RBG, right? Um, And people like her, we would never tell her that she's irrelevant. But I think what missed the mark in this article was that it seemed to talk about uh, a a small subset of women. You said yourself that maybe 20% of the population it was talking to a small subset of the population that aren't doing certain things like returning phone calls or making it a priority to um, you know be present at work, and it just seemed to describe someone that really is in the minority these days. And perhaps this you were speaking to a time that was more relevant during your career. I
1: think these things are relevant, still relevant today because. I think I understand what's being looked at in promotion committees. And, you know, when I say 20, it may only, uh, your words uh, apply to 20% you were building on something that I said about the 20%. I mean, I'm being very generous there. It's, it's, it's leadership qualities. It's the perceptions that you create that translate into leadership characteristics and qualities. And, um, I know that things can be very misinterpreted in the workplace, but I'm just trying to, again, create a strategy and in some respects, help women lawyers not to fall into that kind of criticism, whether it's warranted or not. I mean, do we really think that the workplace is a fair place? No. But I think that the
0: women were offended by, and I'm not going to speak for all of them. The ones I, that I spoke to, you know, when I read it was, why do I need Susan Smith Blakely to tell me that I need to be more diligent about logging in and logging out? Uh, you know, answering emails more promptly, mentoring the younger attorneys, going to networking events and, basically you didn't say this, but this was what I um, felt was implied was you know stop worrying about what you have to do with the kids and pay more attention to work.
1: Oh I didn't say that Christina. I never said that And I would I am a woman who would never say that because in 1983 I gave up a partnership in order to go home and be more present with my children. I would never ever, ask women to choose between career and family. And that came up over and over and over again, and even appeared in the response by the ABA president. I would never do that. And if, any, if you know anything about my work, you would understand that. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, mentoring is a huge thing that isn't happening enough in our profession. And I'm just trying to suggest to these young women, if, if you, if you do that kind of mentoring well, and, and, and you get a reputation for it, then you are going to become the future leader. Now, I would... I was about to say that I want you to be, it's, it doesn't matter what I want you to be. because That is, I have no right perhaps to want you to be anything, but let me say the leader that I know you can become.
0: Well, I think they already are though. I mean, the women that were so offended by this article, it's because they are, they are leaders at work. They are showing up. They're working long hours. They're doing the same things that the, we'll call them lawyer dads, because that was uh, another thing that I saw in the commentary that women were like, why aren't we talking about lawyer dads? Why are we only talking about lawyer moms? Why is that even a thing? Um, But they are, they're showing up. And You know, I'm a solo practitioner, so I have never worked in big law. I've never had any desire to do that. I know that it is a different animal. But even when I did work at a small firm for someone else, you know, I did feel like I put in my hours, I was billing more than anybody else was. And and it was a small office, but I was billing more than anyone else. And I was going to networking events, I was staying late. So, And I'll be very transparent. I don't have children. So I I want my audience to know that I appreciate that when I read this article, I'm seeing it through the lens of somebody who is not um, a mother. So I'm not juggling those things. But I know so many lawyer moms that are killing it. I mean, they're working so hard. They're running businesses. They're working in big law. They're working at small firms. They have their own firms. They make time for everything. I don't even know how they do it. But they
1: make time for
0: everything.
1: Do you believe, really, that I don't understand that? I mean, I I applaud all these women that are doing everything that you're talking about. I constantly write and say, you go, girl, you're rocking it. But I also recognize, and particularly, as we go back to the office now, where, you know, during the pandemic, we didn't have to do quite the same kinds of stuff and promoting business and doing this and doing that, 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 you know, helps to define our careers. And now we're going back to it. And I just wanted to highlight it and say, you know, this, just keep the focus. That's what I was saying. Keep the focus. I didn't say you don't have a focus. I said, keep the focus. And so, um, I'm sorry if they didn't understand that. Um, and, and for those of them that don't need Susan Blakely telling them anything, that's great too, because, (laughs) you know, that means that they are rocking it. And, and it means that they are probably the future leaders that I want them to be.
0: Maybe this would be a good time for you to tell us if this article had been called, uh, should big law be paying more attention to lawyer moms? What would that article say?
1: Well, that, that article has already been written. That article was called, What is Holding Women Lawyers Back? And I wrote that. Let's look at the date on it. March 25th, 2021.
0: Well, then I would invite
1: everyone to read that. Um, but it what, details all of that.
0: Yes. Okay. I mean, what do you think big law could be doing to really be more, more current? I mean, this is the world that we live in today, right? We have moms that are working. We have dads that are co-parenting much more than prior generations, we need to accommodate all of them. We need to acknowledge that the world we live in, people have families and they have family obligations and they can still do all of that and they can still work and they can still kick ass at work and have a big book of business and act adequately represent their clients and be fulfilled at work and at home.
1: Right. They can
0: do all of that, but we have to do all of that in a system that acknowledges that that's how we all live now.
1: Right. So let me quote from the article. I was quoting, uh, I was referring to an ABA uh, event that I attended, um, that the, the profession needs to hire and retain more women lawyers, um, show respect for women lawyers, promote more women lawyers, provide more leadership positions to the women lawyers, and adopt practices that are family-friendly to allow more women to advance in the profession. I talk about flexible scheduling, treating uh, treatment of new matter generation credits and fee sharing that has not been treated equally for women. I talk about gender bias and sexual harassment and the lack of respect that women feel in law firms. Those are the kinds of things that I think are holding women back and they are all laid right at the feet of leaders and managers in the profession right now that I hope are going to be forced to do something different for no other reason than that their succession plans are absolutely going to be disasters if they don't because the people to take this profession forward right now are the Gen Xers and the millennial lawyers and the Gen Zs. And, you know, they have different values. They, I mean, it isn't just limited to family, career, balance values. They have a lot of different values in the workplace that they want addressed. And I've always said, that the only way I've seen any change in this profession over the 15 years I have been doing this project is when I make the business argument to male lawyers, male leaders. And I speak to a lot of them in law firms And I get taken into management committee meetings and I talk to promotion committees and they're all looking at me going, you know, what are we doing wrong? Well, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. And I do. Always comes down to the business motivation. You got a lot of women in general counsel's offices today that came out of law firms and they were so disenchanted, so discouraged that they went in as general counsel, and they are demanding that law firms bring women to the tables at the pitch, use women on the team, elevate those women on the team, and recognize their value. And I try to make that case for them all the time.
0: Well, I'm, well I want to talk a little bit more about this uh, submission of this article to the ABA Journal, because. Um, it seems to me that the ABA journal kind of really left you hanging out there. They didn't take any responsibility for any of this, even though it's their journal, they're responsible for what they publish, what makes the cover, what makes the website. So shed a little light on that for me because I'm not, I'm not part of that editorial process. What is the editorial process?
1: Okay. And I certainly think that you hit it right on the head. They're not taking a lot of responsibility for this. The editorial process will underscore why they should take responsibility for this. The editorial process is this. I write an article. I submit it to them for their review. There is a hierarchy of editors at the ABA Journal. So first shot at my article gets taken by the article's editor and she goes through it. She does a a track changes process with me. She asks me questions. She'll say, what's your source? She'll ask me all kinds of things. Sometimes she will suggest, she will ask me, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Whatever. Once she and I finish that process, then it goes to my page editor. And she, also a woman, Takes a look at it, she goes through the same process. Hers is a little more heavy on research and whatever. And, and, and once the two of them agree that it's ready to go, it goes, but I believe it goes with the blessing of the top guy who is the publisher editor. And he indicated to me when he contacted me and and was very surprised by all of the pushback that um, he thought that maybe the readers should look at some of the other things I'd written because they were finding such a void in me not discussing the systemic uh, failures of the profession. But I had done that before, and I'm limited to 1,000 to 1,500 words in this article. Well, let me tell you, for lawyers like us, that's not many words. And so I had to concentrate on that that topic. But that was the review. That's always the review. So for the ABA that then say, oh, you know, we think we need to put a note on this. It says that you might be offending people and then for the ABA to have their president come out with a letter that says that i don't represent anything that the ABA does you know and my 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 opinions and whatever run contrary to the very heart of what the ABA is and to also go on to say that i'm blaming women lawyers and that i am telling them that they need to choose between family and career was astounding to me so I don't know. I can't get inside the heads of the people at the ABA, but I think there are some mixed messages there.
0: So they recognize that now, but they didn't recognize it before when they were editing it.
1: No, no, that article actually did not get that much editing in the track changes process at all.
0: Well, I think the ABA Journal should take some responsibility for that instead of throwing you under the bus. But I guess that's just how it is.
1: It's um, how, how did, it is. How did you
0: feel about the ABA president and then the previous, what was it, eight or nine presidents nine. all yeah. signing on with this um, blasting you, basically? How did well, you feel about
1: that? Well, I felt sorry for the women that count on the ABA um, because um, I I think that it was... Uh, it wasn't truthful in terms of the things that, that she was describing, but remember, it was only five, and I know this because I've certainly read it many times, <laughs> it's, uh, there were only five brief paragraphs at the beginning of that letter where she, as in your words, threw me under the bus. The rest of it was a recitation of all of the systemic failures of the profession and saying, how dare she blame women when it's the system to blame? Well, I can't, couldn't agree more that it's the system to blame. So, you know, those other nine former female ABA presidents I'm not sure if they were responding to the, inf- if they were signing on for the information about the systemic failures or, you know, whether they were in all in sync about the first five paragraphs. I can't tell you. I don't know. I'm mystified.
0: Well, I don't, I'm not on the inside, so I don't know, but it seems to me like it might be a little bit of uh, or a lot of PR damage control. My intention here is to have a dialogue about this um, in a respectful way, and I think we've done that. Um, we can't address every single solitary comment that we is floating around the um, internet. I appreciate your feedback and joining me today to dig a little bit deeper into this. Do you think that you would write a responsive article, maybe clarifying some of the things that you wrote about and? Putting it in a little more context, based upon our conversation today,
1: I don't know that that's a wise thing to do, Christina. I think that, and I thank you for the opportunity for me to make those things uh, clear from my perspective, and to hopefully give a little bit more information to uh, to the women out there that are very upset by this. I've always been perceived as a Uh, of a valuable mentor for women lawyers, and to the degree that they don't perceive me that way anymore, um, I'd like them to have this information. Um, But this back and forth, it it just generates more more anger is not a process that I really embrace that much. I've certainly let the ABA know that, uh, that I'm very disappointed in um, in the way that they treated it they, I think they have to be very careful um, in giving voice to um, to people who are anonymous and I know that not everyone was anonymous I get that and and certainly the people on LinkedIn were not I think there has to be an open debate and the open debate would have been uh, represented by, my, by my opinion, followed by the opinion of, of others and to just have the ABA just let it exist. And, uh, and they didn't do that. And so, um, I, am not sure that, uh, that, that that would be a wise thing to do. I don't know. It's like
0: kind of like an age old conversation
1: well, it is an age-old conversation, and, and yet it's also a new conversation, because it, it, it uh, when I say to you that I've I really examined where I think these young women are coming from, and, and again, some of them were not young. I think that the young women were coming from a place that I talked about before. Um, they don't want to be told what to do. They, uh, they, they have um, certain sensitivities, some of which I was aware of, and some of which I was not. And but the women that are are not young and are offended by me telling them that they are young. Um, I, I, I think that they are just so frustrated, and I understand their frustration because the system is not changing quickly well, I think enough. That- I think
0: what the frustration was with this particular article was that they were being told something that they're doing already.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, think that that was the sentiment. Said, right. Yeah. That's what you said. But there again, I, I have no evidence that they're all doing it. Well, and then also the suggestion that, well, if you did these things, you, you would
0: be promoted. You would be recognized more at work. I don't think
1: I said you would be promoted. I I think I said you would have uh, greater opportunities for promotion. Well, I think that's the implication though, right? That's
0: the implication is that if you alleviated some of these things, some of these complaints that I've been hearing from whoever your contacts are, you would be promoted more. I think that really was at the crux of it. Is one, you're telling me to do things I'm already doing. We are that we are already doing, and secondly, okay, so I start re- responding to phone calls a little more. I start going to networking events and mentoring the millennials. So then, what? I'm now I'm
1: suddenly going to be more visible in the office. Well, it, I think. Do you think you wouldn't be demonstrating more? more characteristics that leadership would recognize in the promotion process if you did that? I mean, I think that's hard to argue against. Well, I, well, first of all, I think they
0: are doing that. It's almost like balancing a ball on your nose. Like, oh, well, if you can juggle three plates in the air and an orange, or you can balance a ball on your nose, then we'll give you a little pat on the head and we'll give you a promotion. I mean, most of what it comes down to is money you have to have a book of business. That's so right. If Did you're you. not returning phone calls adequately, you know, that's more of a, 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 an administrative issue, I think. And,
1: and I can say this because I run my own law firm. I'm not going to argue against that because that is axiomatic in our profession. If you don't have business in most situations, then you're not going to get promoted. Now, there are also a lot of people out there that are inheriting business. And, and that's a whole nother topic because it, it's not going to last forever. And so learning how to develop new clients, bring in new clients, all of that. Yes, totally, I totally, totally agree with you. But that is not the only thing that matters when you're, when you're trying to get through that gate. It, which in most firms is equity partnership because most of them still have two levels of partnership and to get to a point where your voice is really heard what what are they saying about the men? what are they do they ever say anything about lawyer dads? are they saying yeah. that the men aren't returning well, phone calls? I think they do I mean when the when the men um, don't do these things, I think they get called out for them too. But, you know, there's a lot of stereotypical stuff that exists in the law profession about women. There are a lot of decisions that are made by leaders and managers that are based on stereotypes. It, It makes me crazy. And so, you know, we've even got something called, you know, paternal stereotype, paternal bias. This is when the woman comes back from maternity leave and somebody is saying, well, no, she's don't give her that project because you know it's too soon she's not probably not ready for that how dare them that is the woman's decision what she's ready for so you know there are all of these stereotypes in the profession that women are faced with that men aren't faced with at all but if men are not doing the job you know yeah somebody's gonna call them out on it but they, they don't get subjected to it as much as the women do in my experience. And that's why I want young women to understand that those obstacles are out there. If they're all razor sharp and understand that without me telling them, then you know what, just throw the article away. I'm sure you have already. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, like I said, thank you. Um, I appreciate your time and I appreciate the dialogue. My best to you.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And thank you for giving me this opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to know more about me, you can find out more on my website, christinaprevitt.com. And be sure to sign up for my newsletter where I talk about everything that I'm reading, learning, listening to, doing, basically everything that I'm obsessed with right now. Follow me on social media. Look up Wake Up Call the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to be a guest on Wake Up Call or there's someone you'd like to hear on my podcast, please email me at wakeupcallthepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and see you next time.